Welcome back, everybody, to Why God Why. Uh, we're going old school here today. Yeah, we are. Yeah. So <laughs> the for, original crew. That's right, the original crew. So for all of our Why God Why tribe out there, uh, you have the two founding members of Why God Why here. Uh, Harry Gibbs sitting next to me. Nice and, to see you. Yes, nice seeing you. And John Amayo uh, right here as well. Uh, we started this over 200 episodes ago now. I know. We yeah. Were the, we were the, the brainchild of it all, and uh, look what uh, Peter has done with it. I know. It's amazing. I, I know. It. Yeah, there we go. So it's been <laughs> fun. So we just watch it on the outside most of the time, but now That's we're right. jumping into it today because honestly, this is a fun conversation to have. Yeah, very, very. Yeah. Um, I just think it's consuming uh, when you think about all the different ways you're shown winning. Mm. Just even commercially, everything adds based on on winning and uh, obviously just performance-based winning in your jobs and in sports. So it just feels like it touches every part of the culture. Definitely, definitely. So our topic today is what? Why is winning not all it's cracked up to be? Ah, uh, yes. We're going to have some fun <laughs> with this one. Why is winning not all it's cracked up to be? And joining us is, this is what makes it doubly fun That's to true. me. That's true. Kyle Porter, who is a CBS writer for golf, golf writer. I know. And analyst as well, Kyle. What do you, what do you, what, how would you describe what you do? Analyst, golf writer, um, you know. Fill in the blanks I, for I us. I basically just say ran. I basically just say random words about golf all day. <laughs> People either listen to them or read them. So, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I've been writing, uh, covering golf for CBSSports.com for. Uh, I guess this is my eleventh year now, and I've gotten more into like the analysis on the video side, pod, a little podcasting, just launched a newsletter actually that I'd love uh, if, if people, uh, there's a link in my, in my Twitter profile if people want to check it out. But yeah, I've been covering golf for a long time and it's been a ton of fun. I do apologize if, if I'm as far as you guys have gotten in 200 guests, then yeah. you, it might be, might be back to the drawing board. <laughs> no. But, no, I, I, I always enjoy talking about sort of the intersection of um, sports and Jesus and how that affects my life and how I think about it as I kind of go about my my professional job. Yeah, dude, this is so, so rich. Um, so right off the bat, you know, you're you spend your life around golf and you see players who are trying to achieve day after day after day. Um, uh, you know, before you even before we even got on the call with you, Harry and I were talking about the new Netflix thing that's out there, Full Swing. Uh, I'm sure you probably have maybe watched it. I don't know. Maybe I'm assuming there, but um, that's. I think what that does is get into the common consciousness some of what your everyday golf, you know, professional is going through on a day in day out basis. Um, one of the things that stood out to me, I think, in the first episode that I watched was JT, Justin Thomas, saying um, at the end of one of the, the tournaments that he won, I just wish this lasted longer because mm. it goes by so quick. I didn't even have time to appreciate it. And then he was off to the next thing. Would you describe yeah. that as a common experience for people or, or you know, all of this striving toward winning? What, what effect is that having on, on even the professional athletes that you see day after day? Yeah, I, I did see that. I, I have watched the series. Might have a might have a cameo in there late in the nice. late in the, in the show. Um, you probably haven't gotten to the to the end of it yet, but no. 
you know, I've talked to, I've talked to Webb Simpson about this. Webb is <clears throat> really good golfer, multiple time Ryder cup, uh, participant won the U S open in 2012, I believe at, uh, at Olympic in San Francisco. He's, he's really successful career. And the thing he said to me that I thought was so interesting is he said, a lot of guys out here are sort of chasing, and this is not, un, this is like not exclusive to golf. It's not specific to golf. Cause we see it not just in sports. Even we see it in our personal lives, no matter what job or career or thing that we're in. He said, a lot of guys are chasing the feeling that they get from success or from winning or whatever it is. And they're just chasing it to the next tournament and the next tournament and the next tournament. Yeah. And the implication was even if you win every week, it's not fulfilling. Hmm. It doesn't last. It's not fulfilling. It It's fleeting. It goes away. You know, Tom Brady has talked about this. What I thought feeling, I thought after winning three Super Bowls or four Super Bowls or five, it doesn't matter. You'd win a hundred Super Bowls, right. right? And it and and the thing that he said is it it didn't. You know, it's kind of like, is that it? And it's like, yeah, man, that's it. Mm. Like that's 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 it. And I think that that is certainly true in golf, and it's maybe it's maybe even more prominent in golf because there's a tournament every week, mm -hmm. right? There's a you know, I know there's a football game every week, but a tournament feels like a kind of a big production, like a big thing, four day event in a big city. And then you got to wake up on Monday and go chase the next one. Yeah. And that is never going to be fulfilling. And I think that, um, you know, unless you know and love and follow Jesus, then you're just going to continue chasing for, uh, forever. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it was not to keep the episode all about full swing, but it, it's just such a, a phenomenal example of this conversation we're having. Um, you know, I was jotting down notes from some of the episodes and thinking about how they uh, pair some of these golfers against each other. Scotty Scheffler, mm -hmm. the success he was having last year <laughs> compared to the lows of Brooks Kepka, they they took an entire episode and modeled it based on you know, this guy who can't figure it out anymore and how incredibly depressed he was. I mean, the guy was getting married. Uh, you know, there was all this conversation about the joys of his personal life and he looked terrible as far as like his just joy and happiness. Um, and then you had a guy in Scotty Scheffler that was also recently married, but just felt like a more, you know, centered individual. And, and certainly he was winning. So maybe uh, that was part of it, but just this dichotomy of a guy who had experienced winning and is no longer having it versus this guy who was in this season of winning and the, the peace and joy he had. I just wonder, I mean, what we, how we, how we can shape that to our own lives of, you know, when, when winning is happening, how do we, we store it up for when we're not going to be winning there, there will be seasons of, of, we're going to be Brooks Kepkas, mm -hmm. and there's going to be seasons where we're mm -hmm. Scotty Scheffler, and that's great. But just that balance, I, I wonder your your perspective on that. Yeah, I th it's a great question. I've gotten to know Scheffler a little bit and been around him, and I think that <clears throat> I think the episode actually would have been more interesting, maybe only to me, if 
it had been Scheffler that was not winning mm. and Kepka that was winning mm. because I think that Scheffler's the kind of person who, whether he's winning five times a year or losing his PGA Tour card, he's going to be following Jesus. Mm. And you saw the you saw the juxtaposition in there of him reading his Bible at his kitchen table with Brooks moping around his mansion in Florida, <laughs> and it was a very stark juxt. It was a very stark. Um, comparison and I, I would have been fascinated to see it if if Scheffler was the one that was failing not lighting it up and Brooks was the one that was winning majors and, and having a ton of success but I mean to answer your 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 bigger question how do you store it up I don't I don't think I don't think there's anything to store up I think you sort of so I think about the um there's a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 30, I believe. Yeah, Proverbs 31 is the is the noble woman. So it's Proverbs 30, where it says, give me neither poverty nor riches. And the point of the verse, I love that verse. I think about it a lot and reference it often. And the point of the verse is that neither, like the only thing that's fulfilling is Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so whether you... It, it it's harder to remember that when you have a lot of poverty or a lot of wealth, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's kind of what the verse is saying is it's difficult. It's more difficult to remember when you're in great need or you have everything. Yeah. It's almost easier if you're just a regular person living your regular life in a regular society and, and in your community. So um, I think that, I don't know if that really answers the question, but um, when you talk about just sort of how do you store up wins for when there's a, a, a drought or like a fallow time, I just don't know that you can't ever have enough of those wins to cover the drought or the fallow time. It's, it's when you win, enjoying it and celebrating it and um, receiving it and not pushing it away out of like a false humility, but then also deep down knowing like, this is not really, I'm glad to be uh, thriving in my job, but that's not really like why I'm here on earth. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's a very long winded answer, but hopefully there's some nuggets of truth in there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, that makes me, as you're talking, it makes me think about the, the old uh, statement um, that people identify with your, your str- they they admire your strengths but they identify with your weaknesses and oftentimes mm-hmm. even our ability to communicate our losses in life and talk about our losses in life in a in an authentic way in a way that is real and not glossing over them actually helps people identify with us at a deeper level and feel like oh they understand what it's like to walk through a season of loss and pain because that's the human experience. The vast majority of our lives is not spent on the pinnacle of the mountaintop. The vast majority of our lives is somewhere beneath there. Um, So have you seen, uh, you know, whether it's players on tour or even in your own life, like have you seen like the ability to identify losses and talk about losses actually helping people move into a healthier space? Mm, that's a good question. Have I seen 
players on tour talk about how their losses help them be healthier as as humans or as players would you would you say yeah either one i mean i think there's certainly a both and there you know that it could yeah you know you you hear you hear guys talk a lot about how they learn more from when they lose than when they win mm -hmm. because when they win a lot of times and this was a little bit of what kepka was saying your mind is completely shut off. You're not even, you're not thinking about anything. Right. I mean, you're, 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 you know, it's, <clears throat> it's commonly known as just being in the zone yeah. and it's hard to learn from that because if you're not thinking about anything, it's difficult to <laughs> replicate it. Right. But I think when guys lose, it is, um, you can learn from it. You can learn, Hey, what was I doing with driver on Thursday and Friday that I need to fix that I need to figure out, but it also reminds you, and this is, this is the part that fascinates me. Mm. It reminds you of your own mortality of your own humanity. And we see this a lot in sports and we especially see it in golf. It's happened to Jordan Spieth. It happened to Rory. Uh, it's happened a little bit to Colin Morikawa where they come out and all they do is win. Mm -hmm. Jordan Spieth won uh, two majors the year that he was 21. Right. And it was like, this guy's going to win f 30 majors. Yeah. <laughs> and then he doesn't, yeah. right? And he falls off. He's in the wilderness. And that is a, it's a very difficult thing to reobtain as an athlete. But it also, it's, it's sort of this experience of reminding you of your own humanity and that you're not immortal. You're not infallible. Hmm. You're not perfect. And that's, that's what we all need that, right? We right. all need that to remind us of that. One of the most important things is to have humility and to go to the Lord and that we are in need yes. losing. Like, even if you're, if you're a multimillionaire by the time you're 21, win major championships, losing makes you remember your need as a human. And I think that is what's really has been really interesting to watch with a lot of these guys careers. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wise, really wise. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I think for our, our conversation, it, it would be interesting to see how each of us um, are challenged by the fact that winning is so counter to the gospel message. <laughs> mm. Um, now, certainly there's there's this element of the victory we all experience in Christ. And I think that that should be an important part of our conversation moving forward. But I, I, I wonder how, you know, the gospel is asking us to engage in the season of life that we're in and, and, and fully engage in it and how we are in community with each other, um, how we, you know, interact with those and seek out those that are, are really in need and need um, the the hope that a resurrected Christ can bring. So, um, you know, it, one of the questions we jotted down, you know, how does the gospel challenge this value of of winning that the culture uh, assumes on us on a daily basis? And I think that's how I would say is like it's it's not all that's cracked up to be having the peace of a of, of a loving God is far greater than any victory that we can kind of experience. And maybe that's not just for yeah, you, Kyle, you, but for John too. Yeah. Well, you've got culture pushing back on that too, right? There's never been a more um, 
like look at me time in human history, I don't think, mm-hmm. uh, or, or it's never, I mean, that that's always been ex- in existence because we're humans, but it's never been easier to like live that, that out. And so I think that, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think about the verse where Paul says to, to, um, to live as Christ, to die as gain and to live as Christ, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing about what, you know, making himself famous or making his own name famous. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a countercultural thing. You know, that is not what culture would tell you is, uh, gonna, gonna fulfill you, gonna be best for you. Our culture is very, very individualistic. Um, you know, you, you, you make your own rules, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a bunch of different, you know, branches off of that, that you could, that we could talk about, probably don't want to talk about all of them right now, but, uh, I think the idea that to live for, and, and Sheffler actually mentioned this. I asked him about it at the masters last year after he won of like, Hey, does the, does the piece that you get from being a believer, I asked him this in his press conference, Wow, does the piece that you get from being a believer help you on the golf course. And he was like, yeah, of course. Like, how could it not? Because I know that what I'm doing, my actions are for the Lord and not to make myself famous. And that's a, Mm -hmm. it's an extraordinary viewpoint on life when you're 20, I think he's 26, Mm -hmm. but it's also very, very, very difficult to maintain because everything in his life is pointing the other direction mm-hmm. is trying to make him famous is trying to make him more money. Even the people that work for him, his agent and his team. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I know some of those people and they're great people, but that's just part of their job, you know? And so my hope for him and for anybody that's in that position is that, that he's able to maintain it over a long period of time, because I think endurance is a very, very difficult thing, especially when culture is kind of pushing back against it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. That's so true. And I mean, I think back on my life and um, yeah, there's, you know, been highs and great things. And there's also been serious losses along the way, too. Um, You know, over this past year, I mean, this isn't like a a thing that I've done, but just, you know, all of us experience loss in life. This past year, I lost uh, both of my parents over the course of, of that time. And so, you know, even the, the, what that does as a human being, just to say, I'm a mortal person too, like, and I am going to be dead someday as well. Like that, that is going to, to happen to me. That's our, all of our common fate is there. And, um, that really is a very sobering experience to, to live through. And, uh, in those moments, you don't cling to, um, well, I'm proving this thing and this thing and this thing, all of life just gets a little more clear in those moments. Um, but then I think of, you know, go for it. Yeah. Well, I was, I was going to say, we're actually studying Colossians right now at our, at our, uh, in a men's Bible study at our church. And the thing that has struck me is how Paul is not distracted at all. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he was, mm-hmm. but in his writing, he basically just is fulfilling what Jesus said is the greatest commandment, love God, love others, mm-hmm. right? He was like, that's it. 
Like it, it, sometimes we make it so complicated and all Jesus said was love God, love others. And Paul prioritizes that over everything else. And that's the only thing he cares about. Love God, love others. And mm -hmm. I was just thinking about how often in my life I care about 300 different things instead mm -hmm. of just those things. And it's just very easy to be distracted by other things. But I think in moments of tragedy and difficulty and uh, sorrow that you are reminded of the only thing that matters, which mm -hmm. is to love God and love others. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great summary of, of, I think what you learned during those times, you know, of tragedy, no one wants it. No one yearns for that, but you, you do experience something in the midst of that, that you don't any other way. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. It's interesting. We're having this conversation now in this, this season for a couple of bills fans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, what a, what an interesting season. As mm -hmm. as fans, we went through and really, it just feels like, uh, you know, when you're part of the Bills Mafia, it does, it does feel like the whole community is experiencing it. And, um, you know, the DeMar Hamlin situation, it was fascinating watching the players in the weeks uh, that followed and the conversations that came out of that specific week. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Josh Allen, you know, famously or however you want to say, uh, commenting after the game against the Patriots, you know, God is real. Yeah. Like, and it's just, it was, I, it's funny how those, uh, such a tr near tragic loss, but just the humanity that was on display and how now it's, it's producing far more fruit to me than if the Bills, Lord will, and everyone that Super Bowl. <laughs> so I just, I just feel like we're always going to remember uh, this moment of time that, uh, the Buffalo in Western New York community had, yeah. which winning can't give you. It right. just, I don't think it can't give you that, that level of, um, of connectivity and, and feeling of community. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, even even what they said. Uh, did you watch the four falls of Buffalo? Of course. Oh yeah, yeah. I lived it. Yeah, <laughs> I did too. But Kyle, I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary. Have you ever seen the documentary on ESPN, Kyle? Four Falls of Buffalo. No, I've heard of it. I've not. I've not watched. <laughs> yeah. It. Anyway, it's basically how Bills fans suffered for four years in a row and and somehow made it through. But um, but it's all about this resilience that's built through suffering. Uh, ultimately, I think that's how I would mm -hmm. describe what that whole, f you know, documentary is about. It's about this fan base who becomes this like symbol of resilience, even though they, they went through something they didn't want to go through. Mm -hmm. And I think about so many of our lives, we don't, we walk through things that we don't want to walk through, but, um, in the end, that takes us to a deeper place than if we were to get everything that we would have wanted in the beginning. Um, so, totally. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Hebrews talks about, I think it's in Hebrews where it talks about how Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Right. And you're like, man, isn't there like a different way to, to <laughs> learn that? Or is it, you know, and there are ways to, to gain obedience and to, to, to follow Jesus, but to have to learn obedience through suffering, you know, um, Keller, Tim Keller has this great quote about how, um, no, it, he said it, it's an exaggeration to say that, um, nobody comes to the Lord except through suffering. 
but it's not much of an exaggeration. Mm, And you're like, man, that's so true. Uh, because again, it, to relate it to a non-eternal thing, you're just in suffering reminded of your fallibility, your humanity, your, um, uh, your mortality. Mm -hmm. And those things drive us naturally because it's built into our DNA toward the immortal, which is God and toward worship of something bigger than ourselves, which is in sinful instances, idolatry, Mm -hmm. whether it's of sports or anything else, but in our best moments is uh, to worship of the Lord. So I I think it's, (laughs) it's incontrovertible that suffering drives believers into deeper relationship with God. Mm -hmm. I wish that was not true, but my experience over 37 years is that it is. Yeah. 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 Mine too. And, uh, like you, I don't want that to be true, but it is, it is true. Um, what do you think? So, so now this episode is going to drop, uh, during the PGA championship uh, right here in Rochester. So that's exciting. Harry, have you played Oak Hill before? I have. You have. Mm -hmm. I played Oak Hill, uh, last year and uh, it really did wonders for my prayer life. So that was great. I, I, was on the, <laughs> I was on the first tee. Lord, please, Lord, just just straight. Please, Lord. This is, I just don't want to embarrass myself. So uh, thankfully, I hit yeah. the first one straight. So that was, that was good. good. Um, but uh, so he does shine through sometimes. Uh, not all of life is off the fairway. That's right. Uh, much of my golf game is off the fairway. But... Uh, but so so you're going to be here right in Rochester as this drops. Hopefully you'll stop by Browncroft. We'd love to have you. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you're going to be here in Rochester and the golf pros from around the world are going to be here in Rochester as well. I mean, one of the questions that, I, that comes to my mind is we're going to be watching this kind of in live time. Players are here. Um, and I think it's always great to know some of the backstory of like – people as we're watching them like are there people that you know Mm. have walked through suffering in their life that you say just keep your eye on this person and how they respond even if they don't do great in the tournament because most of the attention is on like who's going to win the tournament but my question to you is like as you watch the players who do you look at and say i really admire them because no matter whether they're you've kind of mentioned a couple but like, who do you admire because when they walk through the good times or the bad times, you see a consistency in their in their life? Yeah. Have you seen the Tony Finau episode of Full Swing? No, yeah. I haven't. I Harry have, has. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Yeah. Finau is, he's, um, he is Mormon. He's of the Mormon faith. Mm-hmm. And he, in his episode he he has so many great quotes in his episode and one of them is um i i people say you can't be a great golfer and a great dad and husband and i'm out to prove that you can which i think is is awesome Mm -hmm. because i think that you know golf if you talk to anybody who's been a top 10 top 20 player in the world they would say that almost universally that it's very singular and you have to be so just selfish almost to be a top 10 player in the world. And I think I'm drawn to Finau because he is, uh, somebody who 
doesn't believe that that's true mm. and it has proven that it's not true because he's been top i think he's ranked 13 right now or something like that so he's super interesting he, he he's got a great some great stuff in there about um he lost his mother at a younger age and then his wife recently lost her dad and the episode is a lot about their grieving of that and their relationship within it and Finau just for like people who are let's say there's people that are listening to this that live in Rochester and are just sort of tangentially interested in the PGA championship mm -hmm. Finau's like the nicest guy in the field mm. and <laughs> Uh, somebody that I have a good rapport with and a good relationship with and just somebody that turned the microphones, turned the cameras off. And he's, he's just as nice. Mm -hmm. We, I remember we were at the Ryder cup at whistling Straits in 2021 and we're walking up the 18th fairway. Cause it, it the Ryder cup's weird because you can, when there's only one or two matches left, you can kind of just walk wherever you want. Yeah. So we're just, I'm just walking up the middle of the fairway with, my friend uh, Chris Solomon and, and Tony Finau, and we're just talking to him about golf and Steph Curry was out there. He was talking about how much his son loves Steph Curry and we were just talking about life and he's just, he's a very kind, genuine hmm. person and somebody that I think is worth uh, rooting for at, at the PGA Championship. It's hmm. awesome. I, I know... Um... You you all obviously you know this, but uh, Rory McIlroy's wife is from the Rochester area. I'm wondering if you know of. Um, it feels like you cover Rory really well, and wondering if he's led you on to believing maybe this one will be a really special. I know that it's funny. The documentary talks a lot about how he's dying to get one and how tough uh, the the Open Championship was last year. Uh, but it seems like this would be a pretty cool one for him to get. Now, maybe he ruins this question and wins <laughs> Augusta, but um, yeah, let's say that doesn't happen. And when this is airing, he's uh, still looking for uh, a major victory for the first time in five years, I think it's been. So uh, any thoughts there on Rory getting it done here at Rochester? Yeah, I think, I mean, Rory winning would be – I think either Fina winning would be popular. Rory winning would be extremely popular. He's very beloved within the tour and within uh, not just from fans, but other players, caddies, Scheffler at the, at the open last year when Rory was winning was like, who, who doesn't love Rory, you know? And, and he's somebody else that in my experience is a very earnest, genuine, um, caring, kind person. I mean, Finau is in a position of great power relatively, you know, within sports. Rory is like 10x that, <laughs> right? And and even despite his position of power, he's very thoughtful about uh, people that don't have that power or don't really matter that much to the overall uh, industry or whatever. And that's a, that's a, I mean, you guys have been around it. That's a rare thing amongst people of power. Mm -hmm. And it's something that about him that I think is extraordinarily compelling. And yeah, you know, we talk sometimes about how he's like, yeah, my, uh, we're going up to Rochester because his in-laws, I believe are in the area or whatever. And take, they take their kid up there and, and, uh, spend some time with them. So I think he is, I think he's pretty fired up for 
<clears throat> specifically for this PGA championship. Now, the last time <clears throat> he was fired up for something like that, it was the 2019 open championship at Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland, where he was born and he missed the cut. So <laughs> I don't know if it's, I think sometimes Rory's emotions are uh, a, a hindrance at times to his golf mm -hmm. because he is a very emotionally savvy, emotionally intelligent person. Mm -hmm. And that can work against you in sports a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, Brooks said that, right? You just got to turn it all off. Right. And that's very difficult for Rory to do, especially when things mean a lot to him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it'd be great if he won. I think it's, I think the more a tournament means to him, the harder it is for him to win it, mm -hmm. which is probably always true. But he's at the disadvantage that a lot of things mean a lot to him <laughs> and that can make it difficult for you to, to, uh, achieve anything in, in sports. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why my golf game is so bad. I'm just emotionally intelligent, right? Harry. That's I'm going to, I'm going to write yeah, that up. You to just it. care too much. Yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> I care too much. That's the reason I figured it all out. That's yeah. good. I'm just going to turn it off next time I get out there on the tee. That'll be great. Yeah, that's good. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you want to bring us to our last question? Let's our, bring it to the usual? last question. Right. Yeah, yeah. This has been such a rich time, Kyle. Thanks again for taking the time with, to talk with us and even give a little bit of the, the look behind the scenes. Um, but as we always try to wrap these things up together, I think one of the ways we want to focus is we've been going back to this over the course of this episode, but what would Jesus have to say about this? What would Jesus have to say about the concept of uh, winning isn't all it's cracked up to be. So uh, Harry and I will give it a go first, and then we will turn it over to you so that you can let us know the real answer because Harry and I will just, you know, do our thing. So anyway. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I was thinking about the question this morning knowing we were doing the show, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but wow, does the, does the gospel and does Jesus uh, show us through his death and resurrection that the ultimate W has been, mm. it's it's over. Right. You know the 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 saying he called game the the goat. You know that we do have a goat, and mm. he's uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And maybe it's a corny way to answer the question, but it I just uh, I think of all the uh, great worship songs that work their way around this idea of of victory over death. Um, and, and what his resurrection means for believers and not just what it means right now, but your for eternity. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just such power um, that was given to us uh, by Jesus in the example of his life. But then again, his, his desire to lay it all down for us at the cross. Um, so just super thankful, just having the opportunity to think about it this morning. Just just having uh, the space to ponder it uh, just feels uh, important and, and necessary for me uh, to to take time uh, to to stop with the work stuff, uh, stop with the, 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 the desires of all the sports teams I want, uh, victorious or golfers I want to win, and understand that it really isn't all what it's cracked up to be. I, I've been given this gift and you know today i need to to live out that win uh to those i interact with uh, in my day-to-day -day life in my marriage uh towards our, my son I, these are what's what winning is all about and uh mm -hmm. that's like the true victory 
and what the culture tells us is is really not what it's all cracked up to be. Yeah, that's that's great, Harry. I mean, I, I would say, as I think about this question, you know, a verse comes to mind that Jesus, that when Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And um, to me, that encapsulates the whole idea of what it means to really live a winning life. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't the achievements that we get. It's it's losing our life and finding it in mm-hmm. the midst of losing our life. Laying our life down is when we actually get life. It's so counterintuitive, <laughs> but it's the way the kingdom of God operates. It's the upside down kingdom. You know, some theologians have called it the upside down kingdom of of God, that when we lose our life, we actually find it. And, you know, I think that's just a great reminder for us as we, you know, of course, take in sporting events. We root for people. We want to see them succeed. But even in our own lives to to remember that that winning isn't the only thing. Um, as a matter of fact, sometimes it's not the best thing for us. So, uh, Kyle, yeah, clean up what, what whatever a, we've said, a, and, and, and uh, you know, tie a nice bow on that. I don't know. Well, I, I loved what you said there about how winning is not always the best thing for us because that's a difficult. I've got young kids, and that's a difficult. It's a difficult thing to get across to them, <laughs> and. Uh, that's all they want to do is win and to compete and to, which is great. I think competing and winning are great. Um, big Josh Allen fans, by the way. So nice. there you oh, go. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I actually wrote about this. I wrote a book last year called normal sport Two, which is sort of a tongue in cheek. Look at how weird golf is. It's a very bizarre sport that is, um, just odd. It leads to a lot of odd moments. And I kind of explored those in this book, but to bring it full circle, I was writing about Scheffler and his performance at the Masters, and I'll just read what I wrote, and we can kind of end it there. I said, as a Christian, I would like to note one misconception about Christianity. It's a tension that is difficult to reconcile, but that Scotty illustrated and voiced really well. It can be presumed that not caring about a silly thing like golf is critical to one's faith in God. So people, I think a lot of people think like, oh, you shouldn't care about mm. anything in life. Right. But I wrote that that's not true. What is true is that not placing a silly thing like golf as paramount in one's life is an indication of a maturing faith, Mm. but not caring about the very thing God designed you to be the very best at. No, of course, uh, excuse me. Of course that can be over torqued and taken too far the other direction to the point that you care too much. Scotty makes balancing it look easier than it actually is. It takes a lot of humility, which he has uh, more of than a 25 year old much less any uh, 25-year-old who's number one in the world should have. Mm. Um, and so I think it's, I think the, the um, yeah, just this concept of like why winning is not all it's cracked up to be is because when it becomes ultimate in your life, it's not designed to be able to fulfill you, mm-hmm. you know, because essentially you're trying to fulfill yourself with yourself. And that's not how we were designed. Like that's just, (laughs) and this is why it's, it's funny. I think when athletes or anybody entertainers, anybody that's in sort of the popular culture uh, describes the gospel, Mm -hmm. like Tom Brady, when he says, Hey, winning four Super Bowls wasn't what I thought, or David Duvall famously in when he won his open championship in, 
what was that? I think it was 2001, maybe 99, somewhere around there. He's coming back on a private jet from, from Great Britain. And he says, is this all there is? Mm -hmm. Like, is that it? Mm -hmm. And it is because when you believe that winning is ultimately fulfilling, you believe that you can fulfill yourself, mm. which makes you God. And it's frustrating when it doesn't because, but it's not like you, you weren't made to be able to fulfill yourself. Only God is able to do that. So I don't know, I can talk about this forever, but that's just sort of my thought on it is you can still care about things, but not, making them ultimate is paramount, I think, in maintaining faithfulness in the Lord. And I think Scotty Scheffler's done a great job of that. And it's something that I have to revisit and work on daily as we probably all do, because yeah. when you do get, when you do have wins, when you have mm -hmm. ministerial wins or career wins or family wins, you start to think, oh, I'm kind of awesome. Yeah. And then that leads to thinking that you're able to, um, fulfill yourself with more and more of those wins. Mm -hmm. And not only can you not do that, but you'll never be able to, you can't, you can't win enough. Like you're going to have losses and then what, you mm -hmm. know, what, what happens then? And I think that's, um, that's the story of a lot of people's lives, including my own. Mm. So good, Kyle. So good. Thanks so much again for taking the time to talk with us. If people wanted to find you online, I know you're on Twitter. Uh, and what other places can they, can they find you? Yeah, Twitter is uh, Kyle Porter CBS is my Twitter handle, and then the newsletter. I'd love for people to read that. It's actually it was based on my book. It's called uh, anormalsport.com slash newsletter, and it's just like a weekly roundup of absurd golf things. My goal is to make people fall in more in love with golf and to um, enjoy it and to have a relationship around it. And I write about this week. Well, we're taping this in February, but. I wrote about the movie La La Land and oh. <laughs> how caring about things is really important in life and um, kind of applied that to Max Homa and some of the stuff that's going on on the PGA Tour. So wow. people would like to check that out. That would be awesome. And uh, yeah, I always enjoy chatting with um, just coming on this podcast to chat. So I appreciate you guys having me and uh, hope the PGA is a good one this year. Yeah. yeah. Thanks too. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks again, and uh, thank you all for listening in, and we hope to see you back here next week on Why God Why. Thanks. <laughs>